Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends ever, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. What you're going to find is we're three normal women who are on the journey, who laugh, we cry, we have all kinds of adventures, and our heart is to share our love of Christ with you, our friendship, and all the beautiful and broken places that we encounter. So you are most welcome to join us on this journey. Grab a cup of coffee, get settled in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. We are about to start on a wonderful journey into Narnia with you and we cannot wait. I mean, people are already talking about it, so we're just going to dive in to our first few chapters uh, today. But I feel like I live in South Texas, but I feel like I'm experiencing a bit of Narnia and it's cold for all the Texans. So I actually, I busted out, you guys are going to laugh, Heather's going to laugh at me. I busted out my puffy coat today when I walked to mass. Can I just say that? (laughs) I walk a mile to mass and so I actually busted out my puffy coat and I was laughing. I'm like, here we go. This is really happening. I'm in South Texas with my puffy coat on. But (laughs) Heather, I was thinking of you. (laughs) I love that. And I'm sure people driving past you loved it even more than I do. (laughs) Seeing a nun in a puffy coat. That's just cute. That's the cutest thing Uh, I could imagine. Well, a nun's got to stay warm for mass, you know? (laughs) I agree. How are you, Michelle? I am good. It is also very cold here in Florida. Relatively Relatively speaking. speaking, It is not snowing, but it's like 40 degrees and freezing. And I was just saying to Sister earlier, I was like, okay, is this preparing me for the long winter of Narnia? Like, am I having to get in the mood here? Um, But I'm good. I'm excited to start this series and I'm caffeinated and happy. So Heather, (laughs) how are you? I'm doing well. I feel like we all need to put on our fur coats to get ready for this series. Mm -hmm, uh Mm -hmm. Get in a wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm super excited. It's been awesome to see the response um, of people just like gearing up for this study. People so excited um, on social media. We've been seeing so many posts and excitement building. So we're we're so mm-hmm. glad to finally start mm-hmm. the journey. We mm-hmm. are. And we just want to say, so right at the start, so if you haven't read the first four chapters, that's okay. You're most welcome here. We're going to talk about that. And we're just going to talk about some themes and just some personal stories as we encountered Lucy and, and Edmund and, and the wardrobe. But so you can have read it before. You can have not read it before. You don't even have to read it. You can journey with us. And so I was actually telling the ladies that I found an audio version on uh, YouTube, which I've been enjoying myself just listening to it. So there's many ways to journey with us. So we just want to say wherever you find yourself, wherever you read it when you're a kid or you just read it again, we just want to say welcome. So Mm -hmm. welcome, welcome, welcome. And this is one of obviously the most probably popular stories in literature. It continues to be that and Lord of the Rings continue to be the top of charts of people who have read, you know, uh, Western literature and kind of just its popularity. And so we were discussing before we started the podcast about just kind of the history of Narnia and how C.S. Lewis came to write this series. And so Michelle, do you want to talk a bit about that just to kind of give us a a backdrop as we delve into this new adventure together? Yeah. C.S. Lewis started the whole idea. Really, the book was written for his uh, goddaughter, Lucy Bartfield. I mean, and I just have to give props. It makes me feel like a godparent fail. And here you have this like seven, eight book series that you write to your goddaughter. And um, he started like, it. What are you doing for your godchildren lately? You're like, I think I remember their birthday. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I need to step up my game. Um, but she was like four years old when he started the book and oh. 14 when he finished it. And I love mm-hmm. even 
even the dedication of this book, and we use it as a social media graphic, someday you'll be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can take it down from some upper shelf, dust mm -hmm. it, and tell me what you think of it. And just the whole image. But it said earlier in C.S. Lewis's life, he actually saw a picture of the fawn carrying uh, presents, parcels is what they call them in the English word. And that gave him the idea, oh. of, first of all, of the series. Like, And during World War II, he actually had children come stay with him outside of London um, that he kept safe from... Um, the war and the bombs that were going on in um, England and London in World War II. And he mm -hmm. based the story on those children, oh. you know, that he had. And so it was just interesting, like interweaving all the different things um, and just reading more about the story and more about how his life was. And I did not realize like he lost his mother early on um, mm -hmm. to cancer. And so the whole idea of loss, the whole idea, and he had nightmares. And that's later on in what some of the other books, like Prince Caspian, that's where the nightmares come from, oh, the old scenes. And so it's just all interweaves into his own life and how he did it. But we were talking about earlier that he would get together. He was writing the Chronicles of Narnia at the same time Tolkien mm -hmm. was writing Lord of the Rings, and that they would get together every Monday night mm -hmm. and discuss their books. And then the meeting grew with a couple of other authors. And I, I think they said it got up to 19. Okay. But seriously, <laughs> would you not want to be a fly on the wall? That'd be awesome. You know, with those two talking about Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. it'd be amazing. And Tolkien, it says, didn't like Lord of the, I mean, didn't like Chronicles of Narnia. And so uh, he didn't care for it. So wouldn't that be awesome just to be a like fly in the wall in that pub, you know, as they all get together and discuss this. Well, they met, I think, didn't they meet like twice a week and once one night they would talk about one thing and the next night they would talk about kind of like their book ideas. And I mean, just, just like you said, the brilliance, could you just imagine like the rich, like fertile soil of those and just like what their discussions were like and the laughter and probably the debating and the challenging each other. I mean, that would be so intellectually stimulating. I mm -hmm. That would be a wonderful experience. Could oh. you imagine? And I imagine that they sharpened one another incredibly too. Oh, like, of course. you know, that experience mm -hmm. when you're around somebody else who shares a similar gift as you like it, it inspires you to be better it inspires you to go deeper which I, I would only assume would have happened for them and I love that this book took 10 years to write because so many of us look at like we want to create wonderful things instantly you know we're kind of in a mm -hmm. culture of YouTube and where everything is awesome and you, you never have to see mm -hmm. the work that goes into it beforehand you just see incredibly awesome things a thousand times a day um but I love that this is the reality of this book, and I think it's the reality for most, is that some many beautiful things take time. And just his commitment mm -hmm. to the story and this inspiration that was placed in his heart and mind uh, mm -hmm. from early on, mm -hmm. I, I love that. Well, and that is a whole series. It's a series of seven books, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know that. I mean, obviously, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is probably the most famous of the seven, but that it's a whole beautiful series of uh, yeah, of, of how creation came to existence and, and adventure and journey and loss and resurrection and hope and, and danger. And so it's 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 absolutely wonderful from start to finish. It's mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful. And I think the whole idea, and this is what I was so excited about, is us diving into a fiction book mm -hmm. that has, you know, and they call it a great allegory. And an allegory meaning a story that has two meanings, two levels of meaning. First, like there's the surface story, you know, the characters and the plots and all that obvious stuff. Then there's the symbolic and the deeper meaning that um, these things represent. And it was so interesting going back and reading it again. And I've read this book many, many times. 
But even reading it again, um, and just where I am in my life now, there are things that popped out to me, like the deeper meanings popped out to me in a way that they had not before. And, um, and I just think that's the power of story, mm-hmm. that God is always revealing deeper meanings to us. And even though we think we've heard the story before, like especially in the story of scriptures, like there's always deeper meanings. There's always things that we can dive into. There are always ways that the Lord is speaking to us and the Holy Spirit is whispering at to us. And um, yeah, so I'm just excited that we can dive in mm-hmm. to the story, but also really dive into the deeper meanings and how do these themes um, relate to our everyday mm-hmm. lives. Which they do. Yeah, definitely. And when I opened the book again, it's been a while, but as I mentioned in one of our previous podcasts, I poured over these books when I was like between the ages of 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. Like I read them and read them and read them and stayed up way too late and couldn't put them down. And my copy is like, pages are falling out. Like it's just, this book is falling apart (laughs) because it's been read so many times, but even the beginning line, once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. And I went, my heart just went, Oh yes. I can't wait for the adventure. (laughs) And you know, it was, it just, there was this reminiscent feeling of wonder when I read the first line, Mm. you know? Um, and I think that that's something that we have to sort of capture mm-hmm. again in our life is that wow. sense of, of wonder, which we definitely lose many mm-hmm. times when we get older. Yes. And I mean, as we kind of journey into that, I think that's something that as we see in Lucy and Lucy throughout the story and the stories has a very special relationship with Aslan. And as we know, she hasn't met him yet, right where we are now, she hasn't met him yet. She doesn't know about Narnia, but she has such a beautiful heart and a beautiful disposition. And the name Lucy means light. And she's full of light and you see this little girl full of wonder. And I was just, as I was kind of journeying with Lucy in my own heart of, you know, her going into the wardrobe and this, you know, this adventure and this, you know, the beauty of her heart, it just makes me, I think we've talked about this in past episodes, you know, of the little girl within me, you know, the little girl of light that she lives in all of us. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes she's still with us. Like sometimes she's always with us as we see her. And then sometimes things have happened in our own childhoods where perhaps she got lost somewhere or perhaps she's fallen asleep. And I, I just love her, um, her beautiful, just open heart. And I think Heather's gonna talk about her curiosity, but I love her curiosity as well. And just her willingness to engage and her willingness to trust. And it's just was such a, a tender revelation of my own heart where I still need those places. I need that little girl inside of me to be redeemed and to have, um, that the, the light shown and the, just the curiosity, the unbridled kind of curiosity and adventure unleashed. I love that about her. Mm-hmm. She's a great example of of what childlike faith looks like. She's so simple. She's so open. She's so mm-hmm. curious with purity, you know? So she enters mm-hmm. into the wardrobe and finds herself in this strange place of Narnia where the snow is crunching under her feet and the prickly branches, mm-hmm. you know, the the um, the fur coats turn into prickly, prickly branches. But very soon she meets Mr. Tumnus, uh, this little fawn who can talk and he's carrying parcels and has a scarf and he takes her back to his little cave and um, and they sit and have tea and there's just this beautiful description, this cozy little setting where they're having this wonderful conversation and he um, says he's going to he's going to play a song for her and all of a sudden he begins to weep mm. and she's so concerned like there's in her mind, it was like, just like such a pure, she was just enjoying every moment of it. And to me, what stood out is that he was convicted because his motives were not pure. Mm. He was, he was going to betray her to the, to the evil queen. And, 
as he encountered her purity and he encountered her simplicity, it convicted him because she was just so good. He, she was so good. Mm-hmm. And it revealed to him ever more presently his own darkness within his heart, mm-hmm. which brought him to tears and repentance, mm-hmm. which I just thought was like a beautiful moment. What did you think about that moment, Michelle? I loved even, it was so interesting when I was reading at this time, taking a step back, like these four children come to the professor's house because of the war, you know, the World War II, and they come to this safe place. And um, then Lucy discovers the wardrobe and, um, you know, and she goes through it. And uh, I was like, all right, it was really interesting when I was praying about it. I was like, okay, what if God wants to take us out of the war of our life to show us the deeper wonders, you know? Like, where are those places that I Ooh. go? Oh, girl, say that again. That, that was really good. Say that again. I was like, what if God wants to take us out of the war of life to show us the deeper reality of wonder? Mm-hmm. You know, what if that it is? Because I feel like for me, and I was telling the sisters, I had a situation this weekend where I felt like I got blindsided. And I'm like, I'm at war and I forget that. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget that life feels like war. But I was like, in those moments, where are my wardrobes that I can step through? Where do I find it where I can find the deeper reality of God and see that wonder, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, for me, I was asking myself personally, where are those places where I discover God's wonder? Where are the wardrobes are they, Mm -hmm. you know, stepping at? Is like a prayer closet? Is it a place for adoration? Mm -hmm. Is it nature? Is it beauty? What is it where I can discover God's wonder? And I just even love the first interaction with Lucy and the fawn when he says, daughter of Eve. You know, when I step through the wardrobe and I discover wonder, God calls me by my daughterness. Mm -hmm. He calls me by that name, like that name, like daughter of Eve, son of Adam, that first and foremost, that we are daughters and sons of God, you know, and that's where we Mm -hmm. find our wonder when we are that childlike Mm -hmm. faith and that daughter, when we step into that identity. So where are those places and spaces that we can find wonder in the deeper realities of God, you know, Mm -hmm. is the question, Mm -hmm. um, I've been just been pondering to myself, mm. you know, totally preaching to myself. What about you, sister? Well, I love even what you were saying, Michelle, earlier. I think we were talking about it before we recorded it. And you were talking about just this, the, you know, the allegory of Narnia and the symbolism of the wardrobe is to go to go into something to find a new land. So really what happens is Lucy goes within to find the deeper reality. And that's the journey of the human soul Mm -hmm. that we go within ourselves, not to disappear or not to become nothing, but to find God, to find where the indwelling Trinity, where he dwells. And so for all of us, all of us have an adventure in Narnia within ourselves. And we have one exteriorly and we have one interiorly, but to really get to the heart of who we are, like you're saying, to go to the heart of who we are as daughters of God, as sons of God, that reality has to be encountered within ourselves where God dwells. Mm-hmm. And so it's that interior journey of, um, of I believe you're also talking about the lamppost, the, the symbolism of the light of God, which is a guiding light, which is something that is always bright, there's always burning, and is always bright even in the d- the depths of our darkness. The lampstand is always center; it's always there. And so I just I love that. There's something so quiet about going into a wardrobe, you know, like what Jesus says: go into the inner room and close the door and pray to your mm-hmm. Father there in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And all of us have to have that place. We do have it, but we have to go there. We have to go within ourselves to, to find him. And you know, then he reveals the riches of Narnia, so to speak, which is the riches of the interior life, which is so glorious. Mm-hmm. So glorious. Mm-hmm. And isn't it just like the spiritual life, though? Like when Lucy goes to the wardrobe and is with Mr. Thomas and then comes back for the first time and, you know, her siblings really don't believe her. 
you know, like mm-hmm. what she expects. And I was thinking, oh, they flat out don't believe her. Yeah, they flat <laughs> like, out don't believe her. Like, up, girl, yeah. you making up lies. Uh-huh. But it says, you know, but I was thinking, okay, when God takes us on an interior adventure and others don't notice mm-hmm. or we don't have, we don't have words to explain oh. what God is doing in our hearts or mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. you know, you have these amazing interior adventures in your heart. And so it's me. It's like, okay, who do we find? We need those people in our lives that we can share those interior ventures and they believe us, you know, mm-hmm. or like we can tell what God is doing in our life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, be like, girl, you're just making that stuff up, you know? And definitely many of us have had an Edmund in our life who oh, yeah. not just doesn't believe us, but, you know, we might experience shame because of how they, you know, make us feel about their disbelief and they kind of taunt us oh, with talk it. Talk more about that, Heather. I think that's really important. That's an important character in the story. Edmund, can you talk more about that? Yeah. Edmund is a, is a wonderful character and we, we don't like him. Like there's a part of us that will mm-hmm. just not like Edmund because he's, Smarmy little kid, yeah, yeah, he's mm-hmm. complaining. He's kind of mean. He doesn't, you know, believe Lucy. He's rude to her. Um, but I think mostly we don't like him because it reflects a part of our own heart. Like this Amen. is a, a beautiful, yeah. so beautiful true. part of the story is that we can connect to different characters. Like Lucy is such a great representation of faith and the gift of mm-hmm. faith. But then we have Edmund, who is a is a great representation of our sin, you know. And mm-hmm. as he follows Lucy into the wardrobe and he he just thinks she's hiding in there, and all of a sudden he finds himself in Narnia and realizes, oh my gosh, she was telling the truth. Um, he's met by a different character, as we know, for people who have read the story. So he hears the bells and a sleigh comes and the white witch is on the sleigh and he doesn't know anything about her, but Lucy has been told about the white witch that she's evil and has taken over. And one interesting part of the story is that Mr. Tumnus describes uh, this being a constant winter where, where Christmas Mm -hmm. never comes. And I think for, for many of us, like we can relate to that feeling where we feel like we're in a place of of death where things have died or become dormant and fallen asleep and mm-hmm. and we don't even have the hope of a christmas coming of jesus coming and i think he refers to that because that is jesus coming into the world that is that is the presence of god in the midst of our our um, our wintry places and <clears throat> I, I just think it's interesting that that's where they land themselves at this point in the story is that the witch has taken over and Christmas never comes because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, mm-hmm. the enemy's voice is very strong. And so as she begins to interact with Edmund, we immediately see that at first she's snarky with him and kind of rude. And then she realizes who he is. She realizes oh, yeah. that that he's a human being and that he has power. And it's something that she wants to take away. So she changes her tune. And she begins to mm-hmm. speak sweetly, yeah. sweetly mm-hmm. to him, you know, and you could just see it's so cunning. She's so cunning. He has no idea what is going on and she's holding all the cards and she mm-hmm. begins to change her disposition. She begins to speak highly of him and compliment him and feed his ego. And he is just getting wrapped up in everything that, that she's saying. And it reminded me of this quote from John Eldridge, because he's talking about how Satan is the father of lies. And he said, Satan is the father of lies. He's not the father of ridiculous suggestions or we would never believe him. You know, and <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I know, and I and I was like, wow. When he said that, I was like, that is so true. Like we'd like to think that the enemy is obvious in our life, but often he's very cunning and very subtle. And so Edmund doesn't even see what she's doing as she begins to to weep, and then she offers him the Turkish delight, which is such an amazing example of temptation in our life. 
which I would love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on that, sister. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. And I, I just was noticing, first of all, like the juxtaposition between the White Witch and Lucy, the, the disposition mm-hmm. of femininity, right? And what happens in in vibrant femininity and broken femininity. It just, it was interesting to notice like how yeah. Lucy calls out the purity in Mr. Tumnus, but the the witch seeks to destroy and to control and to dominate. I mean, it's just such a, just a great witness of femininity at, at really two yeah, opposite. And manipulate. Ends. Yes. And yeah, manipulative. Totally. Mm-hmm. And secretive and just, yeah. So I was noticing Especially, you know, the white witch and how that's so, that is exactly how Satan works on us, that he comes up and he, you know, suggests something and he knows what our, he knows what our Turkish delight is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, the things that we can just be fed on. And then as he's literally feeding himself and he eats the whole thing, like it's a huge tray, he eats the whole thing and he's totally preoccupied with that. And you know, the white witch or saying, you know, it's just continually feeding him. And then she starts to flatter him and then speak about how important he is and how important he is above his brothers and sisters. Cause you already see the rivalry of Edmund between Peter and just how they treat each other. Like you see already that jealousy there. And so the jealousy because it's unaddressed is ripe for exploitation. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what the white witch does. And it's just such a great such a great like roadmap of how Satan works on us mm-hmm. and promises us things and flatters us and, you know, and just divides us, you know, mm-hmm. and then seeks to destroy us and then instills fear and then instills shame. And yet, so it's, it keeps us hooked. And so it was, I, I, I have not appreciated that in that such depth before of reading it again and just kind of noticing exactly that's really the roadmap of how Satan works in our lives. So I think we have to know what our Turkish delight is. You know, we have to know, you know, our, we have to know our dark, we have to know the part of us, all of us, Edmund lives in all of us. And I think we have to be really mm-hmm. honest about that and to really engage those parts, not run from them. But when we see them, like I just, that just happened to me last week, I saw Edmund in me and I was, it just broke me. And so like, Learn like looking at those places with the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, here's, here's some parts where I really, I really need your redemption. Like, I really need you to speak into what's going on here because these parts are really broken. So I, you know, we can't pretend that doesn't exist because it it will come out. Edmund will come out of us (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and Christ is already Mm -hmm. there, you see. So he already knows that. And so he allows things to happen in our life where that's revealed why. So as Heather so often says, he puts his finger on those things so he can heal us because he loves us. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I think it was interesting to compare. I love that sister comparing those two interactions between Lucy and Mr. Thomas, and then the white witch and Edmund, you know, to compare Mm -hmm. and contrast those. And like one brings about purity and repentance and true identity, you know, and it's almost like the contrary comparing contrasting winter to Christmas, you know, and Mm yeah, you know, when it's winter, it's cold. And when you're cold, like I was noticing yesterday, I was freezing, like my hands get numb, you know, like I get numb and I can't, Mm -hmm. I lose, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm losing feeling in my feet because my feet are so cold and we have an old farmhouse. Like I even had to put on wool socks, but I was thinking about this and I was like, gosh, when we numb our hearts and our identities, like, um, we also number our wonder and our inheritance, you know, so true. I mean, it totally mm-hmm. happens. Like, and so, and you can see when it's pure and beautiful, like in Lucy, and Mr. Thomas, that wonder and that inheritance of who we are comes forth, you know, but when you mm-hmm. see the interaction between um, the white witch and um, Edmund, that he totally numbs his heart 
He totally leans into his desires. He totally thinks, all right, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take as much as I want because, I, you know, God yeah. is not a God of abundance. He's a God of scarcity. So mm-hmm. I need to take it mm-hmm. now because I don't know when that Turkish delight is coming, you know, mm-hmm. and then he loses who he is. And then shame mm-hmm. comes in. I mean, it's the story mm-hmm. of the garden. That is it, mm-hmm. you know, right there. And I was reading something else about um, talking, a, a theologian was talking about like how uh, he thinks that C.S. Lewis um, kind of portrays in each of the books of the Chronicles of Narnia, the seven deadly sins. And oh, for this one, it was gluttony and desire. So what mm-hmm. is it that desire that we it can't be, you know, like we can't get enough of it? Like what is like, you know, and I think the question we all have to ask is what is our Turkish delight? You know, um, and coffee is not mine. That is a need that is so important. So I'm not giving that up. We would never suggest that. That's not it. That's not open for discussion. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting that Edmund loses himself as he encounters the evil of the White Witch. uh, And Mr. Tumnus finds himself. Exactly. Like the ways that he has surrendered things to the White Witch in the past, he rediscovers his true heart and who he really is. And that's where the sorrow comes from. From because he's actually really, really good. He's really good. And he is, he's made some sacrifices along the way uh, of, of his identity. So I, I love that as well. It's, it's super, super beautiful. And I think it's interesting that the White Witch begins to also tempt um, Edmund with a lot of false promises. Like yes. she, mm-hmm. it's a little twist. Like he is called to be a king. He, he yeah. is. And so she so promises him that, but it's not for real. She actually isn't ever going to give it to him. It's just a temptation because she wants to continue to rule. And I think when we look at the story and go, okay, like when the enemy rules in Narnia, Christmas never comes. There's a lack of hope. There's a loss of identity. And so we can look interiorly and go, where in my heart and in my life does the enemy have a greater hold on me? Where are the places that I don't have hope, where there's a coldness of my heart, where I've lost my identity, where I'm consumed with what I can get next, you know, and, um, and the grasping and the trying to feed the ache in my heart. Uh, these are very, very deep questions, which deserve some time and attention from ourselves. Mm. I think my dear sisters and all of us, you know, listening here, I think it takes a lot of courage to live like Lucy because Lucy, after she goes back out of the wardrobe, she gets made fun of. And mm-hmm. notice that she doesn't stop believing in her heart. Like it to have that vulnerability of heart. I was just listening to a podcast yesterday that was talking about that. Of it's very providential because it was talking about living childlike. That children um, often encounter very easily wonder and awe, and they also cry when things are hard. And for us as adults, how often those reactions and those realities are muted. And for Lucy to come out of the wardrobe and to be made fun of by her siblings, but to still believe and to still know the truth in her heart, uh, I think is very courageous. And I think that's the path of virtue, neither numbing out or indulging like Edmund and neither turning aside or becoming resigned to, oh, well, I guess I'll never see it again. You know, that's the courageous path because she's willing to undergo suffering for the truth that she's found in her heart. And I just absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think the character of Lucy, especially when it comes, when Aslan comes into the picture in the book mm-hmm. is, um, she is lion hearted. You know, she has that lion heart. Like it's in St. Joan of Arc's book from Mark Twain. He talks about having that lion heart, that huge heart that, um, believes in wonder and awe and beauty and trust and has courage because, um, she knows who she is. 
and she can trust, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that means your heart is like beating on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. You know, that means like your heart is beating to the same rhythm as the heart of the creator, you know, just to have that boldness and that lion hearts. And I also love um, just watching the, like the way that Edmund's mind works is totally, you know, is a glimpse into all of us. You know, when they talk about like, you know, we need to go back through the wardrobe and tell, you know, Peter and Susan and like even how his mind starts to work and saying, okay, I'm going to keep this a secret. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to say, you know, he's, you know, um, like I'm not going to tell them about the white wish, you know, like just how our minds work, you Mm -hmm. know, like I need to carve out a place for me. I need to take care of me. You know, I need to start hiding and shame. And so like, what are the areas that cause us to hide and have shame or keep secrets? You know, um, what is it? Because we feel like, um, we're either less than, or we feel like we're not going to get what we deserve or we feel something. And I was just thinking, okay, where's the admin and me in that situation? You know, Mm -hmm. where do I not want to invite other people into my life? You know, so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and figure that out. And I and I think when we go to those places, if we go there and we don't have a sense of God or keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that shame will swallow yeah. us yep. up. You know, so I think it's really important for us to remember as, as we take time to reflect on, okay, what are the areas where I've been falling into sin and where I cover, where I hide, where, you know, maybe you have something in your life that is like Turkish delight where you can't, you can't stop. You know, there might be an addiction there, something really serious going on in your own heart. We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus mm-hmm. because he really is who he says he is. He has the power to set us free, and there is nothing that is too powerful for him. We're going to see this come out in the book, but you know, this isn't a story. This isn't a fairy tale, you know, about who God is. Like, this is real, and he wants to come into our areas of shame, and he wants to come into mm-hmm. our darkness, and he wants to set mm-hmm. us free. And, and I think that that's something that we all have tasted in our life. Um, and I definitely long for more of that. I can see the areas very clearly, you know, where I'm going through another purification of like areas that, that God wants to heal. And, um, so we're, we're in this journey together, you know, to welcome God into the cold places, into the dark Mm -hmm. places. And I think what we find the beautiful thing is that Christ is already there waiting for us, Mm -hmm. that these places are already known to him. He's already there. And I think he, because he's a gentleman, he waits for the invitation, right? But he's there already. Like we're never alone. No, there's no part of our interior life where we're alone. That God is there, waiting and just so tenderly waiting to minister to each one of us, to place His hand on our heart and to speak warmth, right? To speak life, to speak beauty mm-hmm. into those places mm-hmm. of winter. He's already there, and that's that's it's He's amazing, so amazing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That's beautiful. Um, beautiful. We're almost out of time, but you both mentioned the last sentence of the book or the last sentence of chapter four, which I want to talk about before we dive into our one things, because I thought it was beautiful that you both thought of it. So, uh, Michelle, you want to talk about that when the mm-hmm. last thing that Lucy says in chapter four? She says, when they are heading back to the wardrobe, back to Susan and Peter, it says, come on then, said Lucy, let's find the others. What a lot we shall have to tell them and what wonderful adventures we shall have now that we're all in it together. And... <laughs> 
love that. We just love the whole idea that we are all on this journey and this adventure together. And when we all join together, there's just power in that. And when we all join together, I think one of the driving forces of this podcast is creating safe places, creating community to share our stories, our own personal stories. And when we share parts of us, especially the parts that we think in a safe environment, I'm saying sharing, we share parts of our stories that we want to hide, but when we share them with safe people and bring them into the light, there's such power and redemption in that. Mm -hmm. Like we had a situation with the three of Mm -hmm. us this past week, like one of us really Mm -hmm. shared some really hard truths to us. Mm -hmm. And it was such like a sacred honor to receive you know, that story and to hear, and it was just beautiful, beautiful. And then it's as soon as those things were spoken, it's like they didn't have power, you know, mm-hmm. anymore, you mm-hmm. know, because they were totally mm-hmm. brought into the light. Mm-hmm. And so that is the power of this, mm-hmm. you know, if anything, one of the main driving forces, why we even created this podcast was to create those, create those safe, sacred spots for us to share our stories and that we're all in this together and nobody has it all together. Not one stinking person. All of us are just all on the journey, Mm -hmm. all like trying to step through the wardrobe, all trying to figure out who we are. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if you're 20, 40, Mm -hmm. 60, 70, 80, you know, you never arrive. We're always on the journey and we love, Mm -hmm. there's just power in doing it together. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're all in need of a savior and thank God we have one. Yeah. So yep. Heather, did you want to add anything there before we jump into our one things? No, I, I just, I just love that Lucy, you know, she, experienced some of these things on her own, but you could just hear the delight in those two sentences of how much she wanted to share it with others. And and I think that speaks to my heart very deeply Mm -hmm. because that's my favorite. I love, I love a shared adventure. You know, I love, I love doing this podcast with you two. That's a shared adventure that we have, but there's lots of things in life. I'm like, I would so Mm -hmm. much rather share it with someone than do it alone. And, and I think that just speaks to a deep desire of our heart. And so for those of you who are on this journey, I hope that you will reach out to a friend, mm-hmm. um, that you'll have some honest conversations and some yeah. just good, fun conversations about this book as well, um, that this would encourage you to, to share the adventure with someone. Oh. Oh, indeed. Oh, we're just beginning. I want to keep going, but we're just beginning. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll stop there about our books or about the, about the adventure series. So, uh, if you've been listening, you know that every week at the end of our show, we do a one thing that is totally blessing us or totally just shaking us to the core or one thing for the week. So, um, Heather, since I'm going to get my one thing off your one thing, do you want to share your one thing first and then I'll share my one thing second? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. So, um, I've just been going through like some difficulty and just, you know, going deeper into some things myself. And I created a little playlist because that's a way that God really speaks to me. And a lot of um, worship songs just minister to my heart and help me to pray deeper. And a lot of times when I don't know the words to say, it's like they're already saying the words for me. And um, so anyway, I created a playlist and it definitely has been ministering to me very deeply this week. So I will share it with you, our dear listeners. Um, I'll put it in the show notes that get sent to you if you've signed up, or it'll be on the website at Ascension Press uh, under this uh, episode. You can, you'll can you find the link there. Mm. I loved it. And the, the, what, the I don't know if you talked about the name of the playlist, which it's called Into the Deep, which it is. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So, because you shared it with me. And so I actually, have, I'm going to take a page out of YouTube. I've got two one things this 
this week. So, um, but I'm going to talk about your playlist in a second, but, um, we have, we got so much feedback. I just jumped just to jump back for a second. We got so much feedback from our, our episode with father Josh Johnson. So many of you love that episode. And I don't know if you guys, he has his own podcast from Ascension, but he also has a book out called, uh, broken and blessed. And so just because of the feedback was so great, Ascension press wanted to offer all of our listeners. If you want to buy his book, um, you can get a 20% discount through the month of February. So all you have to do, all you have to do is go to shop and we'll put this on the thing, but shop.ascensionpress.com and click on broken and blessed and just enter the promo code father Josh. Okay. So the promo code is father Josh. And at the checkout, you get 20% off through the month of February. So I think you're going to really, unfortunately it's for us residents. Oh, sorry, you Canadians, my Canadian and, sorry, and, and Australian people and everybody else. <laughs> That's but. true. Oh, that's okay. Wah, wah, sad trumpet. Sorry about that. <laughs> but 20% off his book. So if you want to check it out. Uh, and my second one thing is actually a song from Heather's playlist. And, um, the song is called pieces, which I've heard before, but I believe it's, it's Amanda cook, isn't it? Who does that? Amanda cook mm-hmm. does a spontaneous yeah. version. And there's like, before the song even starts, she just starts calling out just beautiful things about, you know, God, you're giving us new memories. You're, you're recreating us. You're healing us. And so then she starts to sing and the entire, it's a live version. The entire crowd is singing mm-hmm their hearts out with her. And I, it just mm. pierced me. And I love the song, you know, that you don't give yourself in pieces and your love is proud to be seen with us. And, and you're never unengaged. I just, I wept over it. I just in a new way mm. in my own heart where I am right now. And so that version of pieces, that spontaneous version off your playlist, Heather is my one thing. And I'm so grateful that you shared that playlist with me because I absolutely love it. So mm. yeah, mm-hmm. you're welcome. Michelle, my dear. Um, my one thing is also a song we're just musically uh, gifting you guys today is um, a new song called Electricity oh, from girl. Drew and Ellie Holcomb. And if you've never listened to their music, I love them. They're like kind of folky, kind of acoustic, kind of country. And they are just an amazing and they're a married couple. And if you've ever seen them live or watched them together, they are just one of the cutest stinking married couples you've ever seen. And so the song Electricity, I just love. And even like the first lines of the song, it says, you were a heartbeat dreamer, never scared to chase the mystery. You were a wing clipped white light, always a song to me. I mean, their lyrics are rich, their music is rich, and they're just a mm-hmm. delight. And I love them. Mm-hmm. So um, Drew and Ellie Holcomb, Electricity. And I just also have to give a shout out to our listeners. Um, a lot of you all message us and tell us more about your stories and yes. invite us into your stories. And mm-hmm. I love that. We absolutely love this. And um, we try to respond a lot, but we can't get to all of them. But yes, we, we do we read do. them. And they mean a lot to us. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not just giving that lip service. And mm-hmm. like there was one of our listeners, like she just had a new baby and she shared the picture to us on Instagram message. And I just mm-hmm. loved it. I love that she thought to share a picture of her newborn baby. It meant, I mean, it means a lot to mm-hmm. all of us, like that you invite us in and we don't take that lightly. Like it is very sacred to us. And so um, we just thank yeah. you for that. And, um, you know, and I love all the pictures from all the different countries, like the girls from <laughs> Panama and Ireland. And I love the pictures of Chronicles of Narnia in Australia, where it's summer because y'all are not living the winter, like on the beach and all of that. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you guys for just inviting us into your stories. It means a lot. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, do you want to share some fun little thing that that you're going to post on social media. For those who aren't connected with us on social oh, media, yeah. I'd like to encourage you to uh, jump on Facebook or use somebody else's Facebook account or Instagram or, or whatever, because go ahead, Michelle. So at the beginning of next week, when we launch this podcast, we are going to do a Narnia abiding together photo challenge. And we made different um, for every day that we're doing 
the series, we made a, like a photo prompt for the day to share it. And the whole um, why behind why we are doing this is um, I love social media and I think it could be a beautiful platform for beauty and wonder. Or I think it could be an area for mass distraction, <laughs> um, a weapon, a mass distraction. So we want to redeem it and just bring some wonder and beauty and have something fun and be a little adventure. So each day has a little uh, photo prompt to share on, you know, whatever your social media outlets are. And it's totally for fun and totally to get you on this like an adventure together. And so we will post that on our Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitter and um just it has a little hashtag and all this kind of stuff. But if you miss a day, don't worry about it. Are you catch up? You can just do it. It's all meant and good fun and just to go on a shared adventure together. Oh, I love such a great idea. I saw the list. I'm like, that is so much fun. Good for you, Michelle. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. And for the first part of the book, we will begin, we'll continue our journey next week, beginning with chapter five. And so in the meantime, we shall find you in the wardrobe in Narnia and encountering the one who loves you. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? You can leave us a rating, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. If you would like the show notes emailed to you, you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together. That's ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together and enter your email address, click the subscribe button and the show notes will be on their way to you every week. You can also find the show notes on the Ascension Press website, as well as each episode on the iTunes podcast app. You'll find everything there. You can join our private Facebook group and join our community and just get in on everything that's going on. We love to hear from you. Send us an email, give us a shout out. We are happy to be on the journey with you. And until next week, we will be abiding together. Thank you so much. 